Welcome back to the American Sheep Industry Association's Research Update. I'm your host, Jake Thorne. Before we dive into our topic today, I wanted to remind everyone that if you are indeed listening to this podcast in December, make sure and get registered for the ASI convention, which is right around the corner, January 19th to the 23rd in San Diego. Okay, for today, we're going to be talking all things copper and covering the benefits and dangers that are associated with it. This trace mineral is actually necessary for our sheep, but as we all know, it is also always a suspect in unexplained death on the farm. With breeding season wrapping up for many and the fact that we're moving into a time of year where supplementation of our flocks is on the rise, optimizing copper levels in the diets of our sheep is critically important. So here with me on today's episode is Dr. Dan Morical, who is an incredible resource to our industry, particularly regarding nutrition and mineral supplementation. Dr. Morical is currently in an advisory role with Premier One but he also spent a long career as a state sheep extension specialist for Iowa State University. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dr. Morical. Thanks, Jake. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, we're going to talk about copper today, and it's obviously something that can, is needed, but it can cause a lot of problems. Um, and so a little bit of background on me. I grew up in Indiana. I got my BS degree, um, and lots of people say, yes, I'm full of BS, uh, <laughs> from Purdue University. Uh, I was on the judging team, participated in block and bridle. I uh, got my master's and PhD from New Mexico State in Las Cruces, and then uh, was hired as a sheep specialist at Iowa State University, did that for 33 years, and currently work part-time uh, with uh, Premier One Sheep Supplies out of South uh, East Iowa, uh, where I serve as their Ask an Expert. So if people have questions about anything that ha is talked about today, uh, they can go through Premier's Ask an Expert and get a hold of me, uh, and we can work on their specific copper problems or anything else for that matter. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. We're really lucky to, ha to have you, and I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us today. Our listeners are going to be really appreciative. So for any uh, producers or our listeners who are involved with the sheep industry who may not be aware, uh, first of all, why is copper such a big deal to sheep production? Okay, so the, the problem is, all right, for some reason, as sheep have developed and evolved over centuries, they have gotten really good at absorbing copper. So... And when you feed sheep excess, excess copper, it gets stored in the liver. And so it accumulates and it accumulates and it accumulates. And then we put a stress on the sheep like we shear them. We sell a ram for breeding stock to somebody else. We go to a sheep show and then they explode with copper poisoning uh, copper toxicity, and basically the liver just turns loose all that copper, and the sheep can't handle it in the bloodstream, and it causes uh, bleeding, and and they will die. Okay, wow. Yes, and, and so obviously a lot of this toxicity and, and the problems are, are occurring internal, but what are the, the clinical signs that will be visible uh, in a case of copper toxicity, uh, either in a, in a live animal or yeah, a post-mortem examination. Okay, so if, if we think we may have copper, 
If we would just look at the gums or the eyelids, they should be yellow. Uh, if you were a veterinarian, they'd say it's jaundice, just like babies are jaundice when they're first born at the hospital. And sometimes we can't bring them home as early as we'd like. Sure. Uh, basically, they're yellow. On a, They'll also, many times, they'll have bloody um, diarrhea. Okay. okay. If you open a sheep up on the inside and look at them, the fat will be yellow. And, the, the, and they'll say what it's called icterus so that they are it's an obvious copper poisoning problem okay now to me the biggest challenge with copper is it may take us six to eight weeks of copper accumulation by feeding a high copper diet before we get to that threshold in the liver to where we've got a potential risk and so many times, you know, you get a bad batch of feed, you feed it up and, and over a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and then you stress the sheep and then they show the symptoms. And maybe you've got a new batch of feed that's okay on copper content. So it's really hard to find that cause of copper poisoning. So it's not an, it's not an immediate poisoning. No, it's not like I give them copper today and they're dead tomorrow. That does not happen. Okay. Are, are other livestock species as sensitive to copper as sheep? You mentioned no, nothing is, a, is yeah. sensitive to copper. And like in Iowa, because we have so many pigs, yeah. which is a good thing for Iowa because we've got lots of corn and yeah. pigs and corn go together. But in swine rations, they feed up to 250 parts per million copper because it kind of acts as an antibiotic growth promotant. Yep, yep. And obviously on sheep, we only need 10 parts per million. So a little pig feed can get us in big trouble really fast with copper toxicity. Sure. Absolutely. So I, I do think that many of our listeners have, have at least are aware of, of copper toxicity. It, it's something that's brought up quite regularly. And, and most people realize that it can be an issue you in sheep production, but sheep do have a, a requirement for copper, correct? And, and how, how is it beneficial to them? Okay, and that's and that is really important because if we're short on copper, which we could be in some situations, depending on other things in the environment, uh, copper plays a role in the immune system. So that would be automatically lack of health, lack of vigor, sheep that just don't thrive, they get sick too easy, uh, don't heal up as fast as we would like, might indicate a copper problem. A typical Copper deficiency in sheep is a disease we call swayback. So baby lambs are born and they've got a swayed back because of part of copper's role is in cartilage, uh, ligament formation during the, the fetal development. Um, and I've worked with a couple of flocks that seem to have problems with bent leg syndrome on the front legs. And we think that maybe that's a, been a copper deficiency in those specific flocks because they had high molybdenum levels. Okay. And that's one of the ways that we control our risk of copper poisoning is if you feed a little molybdenum, then that helps tie up copper. So we don't, the sheep don't absorb all that copper because uh, a lot of times haze might be as high as 20 parts per million copper. For us, in, for us in the Midwest, if we're using our hay fields to spread swine manure, 
or poultry litter. It's really high in copper. So we're seeding the soil down with more copper. So then the forage that we grow on that or the feed grain is going to be higher in copper. So we can get into a cycle to where we just get into that problem where we're always on the edge of copper poison. Sure. And, and I'm, I want to expand on that <laughs> here in just a few minutes, but I want to go back to something that you mentioned. The, the requirement for sheep uh, for copper is, is 10 parts per million. That's that's low. Okay, so it's it the NRC, the National Research Council requirements that say it's somewhere between seven and eleven. Wow. Yeah. Okay? And when and we've mentioned this, we throw this term out like it's can't you know it's just us nutritionists or numbers scientists. We're used to parts per million. Right. So we think about how little that is. Ten parts yeah. per million. Yeah. The United States has 332 million people. All right. So if we had 3,200 yeah. people, that is equivalent to 10 parts per million in the United States. Yeah. Very, so, very tiny. So it's a very, very little amount. We don't, we don't weigh out copper that we're going to add to a diet or any of the other micro minerals with a hanging scale. We got to have a really good scale if we're going to start supplementing copper, iodine, selenium, et cetera, because they t they're not needed in very much, very high amounts. Sure. But, you know, when we, we look at a feed sack and we look at a, a feed label, does that mean every time the listed amount of copper exceeds 10 parts per million that it's toxic and we shouldn't feed that to sheep? That's a really good question. And if you, if, for example, I've redone our trace mineral pack for Premier. Uh-huh. And on the label, it says zero to 26 parts per million copper. But that's the premix. And then we dilute it with 50 pounds of salt and the sheep only eat a quarter of an ounce a day. So it adds maybe, maybe a tenth of a milligram per day, even though there's 26 parts per million in the premix. Right. OK. So if I had a complete pellet, OK, that I was using to finish my lambs on and it was 20 parts per million copper because that's their whole diet, I get really nervous. Right, okay. A sheep mineral with 20 parts per million copper may be no big deal because they're only eating a half an ounce to an ounce a day. Okay. But it, so it depends on what the base ration is and then what else we're feeding, doing, supplementing, etc. cetera. All, all depends on consumption. And consumption, that's right. Okay. So recently we recorded a, a podcast, a ASI Research Update podcast with Dr. Joan Burke uh, from the USDA about copper oxide wire particles uh, for parasite control. Can you discuss with us a, a little bit about the different forms of copper, copper oxide versus copper sulfate, and, and why they may not all affect, affect sheep the same? Okay, and that's a, and that's a good point, Jake. Uh, because in that flock that was having problems with bent legs, we used copper oxide wire particles to get copper into those sheep. Now, when we think about minerals, the oxide form, like copper oxide, is the least absorbed, least soluble. Okay, And when we think about those copper oxide wire particles, it's kind of like a little teeny piece of wire. So it's got a pretty big particle size and it's not real soluble. So they don't absorb much copper from it. copper sulfate is much more readily available than absorbed. And the most absorbable or 
what we call bioavailable to the animal is chelated minerals like uh, Zenpro would be an example of that. So we've hooked an amino acid to the mineral comp element. And so then it's more readily absorbed by the animal. But And probably looking at chelated minerals at around 80%. Copper sulfate might be around 60% and copper oxide might be as low as 30 to 40 percent absorbed so it's okay. that's how they vary depending now which one do you think is the cheapest jake yeah the absolutely oxides right. are the cheapest so yeah. that may be what the mineral company feed company puts in right yeah so you can't just look at the levels on the label you got to look at what they use to make that bag right. of mineral it's tricky. So oh, you, it, it is tricky. You mentioned bent leg and sway back and, and the importance of copper from an immune standpoint. Uh, are, are those the only signs of, of copper deficiency we'd see in a flock? If, if someone's not sure what their copper levels are, uh, are they just going to start to see lambs with that type of issue? Or, or is there something else that's going to stand out? In the, in the United States... We very seldom ever see swayback, okay? Other countries around the world, swayback's much more common. Uh, and part of that goes back to the molybdenum content in the soil and therefore in the feed. Because if you've got three or four parts per million molybdenum, then that's really going to reduce your copper absorption. So then you can get into deficiencies. But yes, immunity's the big one, swayback on a real severe case on deficiencies. Uh, now, how about within the United States? Are, are there particular areas where copper is is noted or, or known to be deficient or vice versa? Is it known to be in really high levels? Uh, from my experience, when I've seen really high uh, molybdenum levels, which means copper is going to be short, okay. uh, was reclaimed strip mines that disturbed deep soil, brought that molybdenum up to the soil surface. Uh, I had some hay samples of guy dip bailed on a side ditch along the road that had a lot of highway work regrading done. And I mean, it was a big patch. It was like maybe a hundred yards wide, big steep slope. And his molybdenum levels were up around six or seven parts per million. So in those cases, if you want to try to balance the copper and molybdenum, we need to feed a 35 to 40 part per million copper diet. And that gets me nervous. Okay, yeah. Because my my liability insurance isn't that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is, is copper usually a, a deficient mineral, or is that something that is more of a rarity that um, case by case basis? I think in most cases we're not going to be deficient because the the base rations most places in the United States are going to be in that seven to 10 part per million copper level, okay? Um, now, to run a forage analysis or feed test on copper is gonna cost you 20 to $30. So it's cheap, all right? So if you think you've got a problem, test your feed uh, to know what your copper level is, but that won't tell the whole story because we also probably need to know sulfur and molybdenum levels, because those three micro minerals complex 
and form a, a compound in the rumen where the animal can't absorb copper. Okay, so we got to measure. So now we're going to spend a hundred bucks. But you know, call user bringing three hundred dollars right now. So saving just one on a copper case is way way smart business. Right. Typically, yeah, yeah. Pencils out. So uh, it, it's copper. You mentioned you know a few other minerals. Uh, is copper the only one that we're concerned about as far as deficiency, or, or is there a whole host that we should um, be at least aware of? Generally, most sheep people believe selenium is the most common deficiency. Yeah. And yes, we have low selenium levels in our feedstuffs. Um, cop zinc is the second or maybe the first most common deficiency on microminerals uh, because the feeds are around 20 parts per million, but we need 25 to 30. So it's not a real big deficiency, right? Uh, so we thought about copper at 10, we need zinc at 25, so it needs a lot more zinc. Whereas selenium, we're at 0.3 parts per million, yeah. which is in the state of Iowa, we have 3.2 million people. So Dr. Morical in the state of Iowa is equivalent to 0.3 parts per million. Yeah, that's, okay, that's so, a funny way of looking at it, yeah. Yes, it's a, it, but it's such a small, minute amount. Yeah, I know, yeah. Okay. Now, and, it, and selenium is controlled by FDA on how much we can feed. And so lots of people use baby lamb strength. They give injections, et cetera. They get selenium into those animals. Uh, I want to feed more so because I want to, it'll transfer across the placenta, and it's more important to feed it than it is to shoot them up with it. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> So whether we're talking about toxicity or requirements of, of copper, are the levels static across breeds? Are all breeds of sheep affected or you know, do they require copper uh, to the same amount? Uh, no, and that's a really good point. I think probably blackface sheep like Suffolk's and Hamps and Suffolk's probably most specifically tend to be really, really good at absorbing copper. So they're, they're maybe one of the high, highest risk breeds for copper poisoning. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when we first imported, and I say we as in the United States, but when we first imported Texels and we had them at the U.S. station there at the Meat Animal Research Station, they actually saw a copper deficiency in those sheep because the Texels were really poor at absorbing copper and what they traditionally fed didn't work because they worried about copper toxicity and they actually had copper deficiency. Okay. So, and we don't know from a research perspective, we just haven't studied it. It's mostly experiential learning on that one where we learn that some breeds have more tolerance for copper and need more copper. Lots of people are using copper oxide wire particles in that situation. Dosing those you use every six months or every 12 months. Okay. Interesting. So you, you already touched on it, but this is something that I, I definitely want to circle back to. In most cases of toxicity, where is the source of copper coming from? Okay. Um, so I've, I, I've dealt with copper toxicity cases. I've been expert witness. I've helped producers try to track down where it came from, and it's challenging. OK, 
okay? Uh, most commonly, it is a feed mixing error. One, one flock I worked with, the guy mixing the feed at the feed mill used swine trace mineral pack instead of sheep trace mineral pack. Guess what? Those sheep died of copper. Yeah, yeah. Another flock I worked with, there was a piece of electric wire sticking out with bare copper on sticking out. Yeah. And the feedlot lambs were licking on that copper wire. And they, some of those lambs develop a copper poisoning just from that little bit of copper exposure. Wow. A third example is guy's got a couple of pigs he's feeding out to home to butcher for his meat supply. Well, the self feeder that those pigs were on was leaking and it was dribbling out of the wall into the lamb feedlot and those lambs were eating that pig feed and they developed copper poisoning. So it doesn't take very much. For example, when we, when we used to have the open front swine finishing barns with concrete floors and the runoff from the concrete floors, that forage just below where that runoff was, was extremely high in copper. So if you were grazing around your, Oh, it's my finishing barn. You had a high risk of copper poisoning because of that runoff. Sure. You you mentioned chicken litter uh, from a fertilizer standpoint. That could be a source of copper. Or I was doing a little bit of uh, looking online, and it and it looked like even maybe in some cases fungicides that are used in some particular farming practices. Uh, I think in vineyards uh, can be a source of copper for sheep too. Is is that, is that, am I on track with that? You are. And, and I had a client in Iowa uh, that grows grapes and has a vineyard now and does all the agro tourism type stuff. Sure. And, and we did, went through the calculations and it was going to take a lot of years before we would worry about copper accumulation out there in that vineyard. But it was a potential risk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, California, I think they graze those vineyards all the time. Uh-huh. But that may be because they also have high molybdenum, so the extra copper is not doing any, any harm. Okay. So, But it's a risk, okay? So that's a source. Uh, we already talked about feed contamination. You know, just, just the fact that if the feed mill is grinding pig feed, which they do the most of, and they don't flush the system, before they grind your sheep feed, mix your sheep feed, you can get enough contamination from the mix mill. You can get it from the feed delivery truck if they don't rent, you know, basically flush it out with some just corn or something else uh, to prevent that. And that's why in, and is creating a problem for us. And a lot of feed mills don't want to make sheep feed anymore. They don't like that liability. Yeah. So, it, it's a challenge and it's going to become a bigger and bigger challenge to the sheep industry. Okay. Well, regardless, if we're talking about grain or some other source of, of copper, it's something that that sheep are consuming. How does a producer or an owner go about testing for copper? I mean, is that a, as simple as a, a grain or forage sample and sending it in somewhere? Or, or just what are the steps that are involved in that? Sure. And, and I think that's a, a really good point. And when we think about hay, 
if you're buying your hay in, you know, if you're growing hay in the same field every year, once you've tested that field and you figure out that the copper level is okay, you wouldn't have to ever test it again. Unless, unless you dump a bunch of swine manure or poultry manure on that field. Right. Uh, or maybe even some sewage waste from a local municipal place might have a lot more copper in it. Okay. So uh, it's it's a relatively easy test. The, the testing labs, the forage testing labs, feed testing labs are used to running it um, specifically. So you can get a test run. If I'm doing forages, I want to make sure I get a good sample so I don't go out and just grab a hunk of hay and send it in. I use a bale core and try to take 10 to 20 sample cores out of those bales to get a representative sample uh, so that I know where I'm at because just a grab sample is not very representative. And you said $30, $40? Yeah, it should cover it easily. Okay, and many, and sometimes you're if you're doing enough business with your local feed elevator, they might do it for you. Okay, they might send it in and pay for it just as a customer service. Sure. So at least in the case of forages, do copper levels change with the growth stage of the forage or is it just more dependent on when you may have applied something that could potentially have copper in it yes i i wouldn't worry i don't think it, the copper level is going to change drastically you know it might go from six to seven might go from eight down to six but if it's if it's in that level it's going to stay kind of in that level you know it's not like it's 30 and it's, after you cut hay and put it in the barn it's going to go to 10 if it starts at 30, it's going to be maybe 26 or 7. So the, the maturity, that part's not going to have much effect. It's mostly what's in the soil is representative of what's in, in the feed. Okay. Okay, so one of the, the real challenges with copper is that often it, it builds up slowly to toxic levels without us as the producers really knowing or there's not really clear clinical signs and so consequently you know producers can find themselves in a situation where they are inadvertently feeding too much copper and then maybe they have some sheep die or show some really obvious signs what do they do next once they realize that they're in this predicament <coughs> where do they go from there uh this is the hard part okay uh First of all, I'd have veterinarian come out and make sure that we are actually dealing with copper. Uh, second, then we need to feed high sulfur levels, high molybdenum levels to to get rid of that copper in those sheep. Because basically we, we don't want the sheep to absorb any copper for three or four months. And we want them to burn up that liver store. Okay. Because if you lose three or four ewes to copper toxicity, Every other you in that flock is high risk now. Right. Because they basically got it the same way. So you got to detoxify the flock. So we're feeding high levels of molybdenum. Uh, and amazingly, you can get online and Walmart sells it. Okay. And it's called sodium molybdate. Okay. Okay. Now, again, 
we're looking at one to two parts per million normal. We might want to feed five to 10, uh, depending on how risk you are, how much you think the sheep are worth. Uh, so we got to be careful in mixing that up. And the feed mill is probably not going to do it for us. Oh, okay. Well, they may not because they don't like lawsuits either way. Sure. So, so it's going to take some extra effort to get this done. Okay. So how, how does molybdenum interact with copper to, to keep it from being absorbed or poisonous in sheep? You, you, I think you might have mentioned it, it binds it up somehow. It, it does bind it up in that the copper, molybdenum, and sulfur form a, a chemical compound. And it's a big, long name, about 30 letters long that I can't say. Sure. Uh, but it, it forms that complex, which makes the copper unabsorbable. So instead of the sheep absorbing copper, it just goes right through them and goes out on the ground. Okay. Okay. Great. So are, are there known molybdenum requirements for sheep or, or even are there known toxic levels or is that a little less clear? Uh, it is totally unclear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> here, here is my rule of thumb. Ideally, we need somewhere between a six to one and a 10 to one copper molybdenum level. Okay. So if we have, if we have one part from molybdenum, then we need 10 parts remain copper or something close to that. Okay. And molybdenum toxicity normally shows up as a copper deficiency. Oh, okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. In yep. Australia, I think, or New Zealand, one or the other, they have a condition they call TERT scours, okay. uh, which is caused by high, high molybdenum short copper. Uh, and that's one, that, and they see that in cattle mostly. Okay, yeah. So it's that not it's not common, but it can happen. Sure, makes a lot of sense. So let's say you've got some some sheep that are showing obvious signs. Uh, you're seeing that jaundice color, or the yellow color. And they're they're not dead yet; they're still alive. What are the chances of, of full recovery, realistically? Even if you can get them to to eat some molybdenum, uh, that hopefully can kind of bind up some of that copper that they're consuming. Well, and, and if we were dealing with high, like high price breeding stocks some really expensive club lamb use, uh, we can actually just drench those sheep every day with, with sodium molybdate oh. sources uh, to try to rapidly clean them out. Okay. To get them, you know, instead of being right there on the edge, maybe we bring them back 80%. So that's not as likely for them to, to have a, that cause. Obviously, we got to minimize stress. Right. Okay. Uh, would I? I wouldn't take them to a. I wouldn't be training my border collies on them first thing. Yeah. They've never seen a border collie. <laughs> yeah. I may not shear them. I may not vaccinate them. I may not haul them. I just try to keep them happy and content. Okay. Um, and and again, I get. You got to work with your veterinarian to help you do those calculations because we got to do a lot of math on figuring out how much we need to put in that ration. You know, because if I'm feeding 50 ewes, it's a little bit. If I'm feeding 5,000 ewes, I got to feed a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, we're, we're dealing with mag the magnitude. We got to get that figured out. Um, one of the things that 
is helpful to me. It took me about 30 years to figure this one out. Okay. But when, like when you get a feed tag and it's got it in percentages. Okay. Yeah. If you want to figure out what that is in parts per million, you just move the decimal point four places to the right. And then you get parts per million or milligrams per kilogram. And I'm going, why didn't you think of this a lot sooner (laughs) in your career? Because it makes it a lot easier. So, uh, again, move the decimal point four places and that gets you that conversion. Okay. Well, let's think about it. Or I want to ask you at least if, if you see some copper toxicity occurring in some fat lambs or some lambs that are about to be harvested and the rest of those lambs in the pen that weren't the ones that were showing the signs, but may have been consuming that same feed or that same copper would at some level that copper toxicity or subclinical top copper toxicity have any effect on the carcass of those lambs. And would that result in a, you know, those carcasses being condemned? Uh, yes, it does. And I and one of my jobs I used to have that Jeff Held and I did was we measured carcasses on the Exarban show lambs every year for about 20 years. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't unusual out of six, seven hundred lambs that we'd see one or two lambs carcasses get condemned because of yellow color from the copper accumulation. Okay. Uh, so if I had a if I had a group of lambs that I had a couple that showed copper toxicity. I'd again put them back on molybdenum, high levels. I might hold them on that for 20, 30 days and try to detoxify them so that because if if they've got that yellow carcass, yellow fat, the inspector's probably going to not pass them and they're going to get tanked or condemned, I guess is the more more professional way to say that. (laughs) Same thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. So we've been talking about copper, obviously, uh, but are there other toxic minerals or at least minerals that can reach toxic levels quite quickly uh, in sheep that we need to be aware of? Um, so like, for example, zinc, we talked about that being in the, needed in the 25 to 35, 40 parts per million. Sure. Uh, zinc becomes toxic at 500 parts per million. So you got a tenfold. You got a big win there. So it's a lot of, a lot of safety. Okay. Yeah. Selenium is at 0.3 parts per million. Uh, NRC would say it can become toxic at two parts per million. So it's a real pretty narrow range. Yeah. Okay. Which is when we got into trouble, uh, with selenium because they changed the requirements FDA allowed us to triple the amount of selenium we had could put in the mineral from 0.1 to 0.3. And then we were still using injectable selenium products. And if we used what the product called Muci, which is a high selenium injectable, we could put use over the edge. And we had some problems with abortions and sick use and late gestation. Because when I started my career almost 40 years ago now, that was a routine thing we did was to inject use in late gestation with BOCI, uh-huh. right? Because the mineral, we couldn't feed enough mineral because the FDA wouldn't let us put enough in. And so the use were always short and we had to give them shots. Right. Just out of so, a curious, 
there everything can be toxic with right. too much. Probably copper is our most common toxicity mineral in the sheep world. Selenium potentially has a close second. Yeah. Um, urinary calculi and feedlot lambs are breeding rams. In most cases, we worry about the calcium phosphorus ratio. But in my opinion, it's we got the phosphorus level just too high. And that's where we get into calculi. So I'd want to keep, I try to keep phosphorus and feedlot lamb rations below 0.4 and maybe even below 0.35%. Okay. But again, on phosphorus, we're at a macro mineral and we're dealing with percentages, not that little bit of selenium that we talked about. Sure. And just while we're on the topic, I mean, I mean this is maybe getting a little off uh, our course here, but what, what are the signs of selenium deficiency or, or how would someone know if, if that's something that's short in what they're feeding or. Okay. And, and selenium again, it's, it's as complex as copper because selenium and vitamin E work together. And generally we don't feed enough vitamin E. So therefore we've got to feed a lot more selenium. So selenium is white muscle disease. Lambs that don't have a strong sucking reflex, maybe because of their, the tongue muscles aren't developed right because that's a selenium is involved in that. One other thing is in iodine to get it, there's a, an enzyme that has selenium in it and it converts I4 iodine to I3 or I3 to I4, which makes it the active form of that hormone for metabolic rate and body temperature regulation. So maybe all these lambs that we're having with that have trouble keeping themselves warm and besides just starvation, it could be a selenium deficiency that's resulting in an iodine problem that they're not getting enough or we're not getting enough iodine to start with. So, so selenium is really complex. Uh, reproduction can be a problem with not enough selenium as well on the ewes and the rams. Yeah, it's a it's a game of chess, the whole thing. I mean, it's complicated, and there's a lot of different factors and, and things to read in, into the scenario. So whether we're talking about selenium, zinc, or copper, uh, as we've mentioned, Dr. Markle, where can our listeners go if they want to learn more? Okay, so, so Jake, I'm going to say this. And I, it just came to my mind right now. Okay. One, one of the things that's circulating on the internet and a lot of the homesteaders and the organic people are talking about is free choicing each individual mineral and let the sheep oh. consume what they need because the sheep know best. Okay. Now I have my PhD in nutrition. <laughs> I'll put my smarts against any sheep, anytime, anywhere. Okay. Sheep do not have nutritional wisdom. <laughs> okay. Because if you put a five gallon bucket of corn in front of a ewe, she'll eat until she's dead. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. So they don't have nutritional wisdom. So let's get through that one. Okay. Okay. If, if I'm going to try to do the best I can for my sheep, I use a sheep only mineral. Okay, I don't go to I don't go to the local farm store and buy an all-purpose livestock mineral. Right. Because yep. it'll have too much copper. 
it won't probably have enough iodine or selenium in it for sheep. Okay, because the iodine levels have been increased with the new NRC, which I keep saying new. It came out in 2007, so it's not new right. anymore, yeah. but it's the last one. Right. Yeah. Okay? Most recent. Yes, most recent. All right. That's that's one I wanted to get off my chest before we okay. conclude. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, I was I was asking it where they could learn more uh, about copper. And, and apparently Facebook is not your answer. Um. <laughs> Okay, so if I was going to try to learn more, uh, I would, if I thought I had a problem, I'd contact my extension service to see if they've got an idea of whether their uh, their state, their region of the state has a problem. Yeah. That may be known. So maybe the state chief specialist. Uh, obviously, there's stuff on the Internet. Some of it's good. Some of it's crap. But that's, you know, it's a free country. You can put anything on there you want. Sure. Uh, I'm always available through Premier Ask an Expert to, to help people work on problems. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And try to solve that situation. Uh, if they think they've got a specific uh, mineral deficiency they need fixed on, and I, I work on those all the time. Uh, it takes a lot of math, takes a little while, but we can get it worked out. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So you've, you've done this, but... Uh, it, you know, just kind of to wrap things up here, Dr. Merkel, can you leave our, our listeners with one solid takeaway from uh, the discussion that we've had today? Okay, so the, the most important, two most important things. One is sheep have no nutritional wisdom. Okay. All right. Number two, plain salt is not nearly enough for sheep. All right, we gotta we gotta meet their mineral needs. That's our job as shepherds. Work with your local feed mill, local nutritionist, local feed dealer, state extension, or you can maybe forced to work with me. <laughs> okay, and lucky enough to work. There, there's lots of problems that happen when we don't get the minerals right. Yeah. And our sheep aren't going to perform. They're not going to be healthy. They're not going to be vigorous. We're not going to make any money. Okay. All right, Dr. Morkel, thanks so much. Uh, you, you you provided a ton of wisdom here in, in 42 minutes, and, and our listeners and I really appreciate it. And so thank you very much for taking the time to, to join me today. Thank you, Jake. Sure. So to you, the listeners, if you have enjoyed this podcast or any of our other episodes, make sure and subscribe to the ASI Research Update podcast to get alerts every time there is a new episode put out. And, and speaking of new episodes, so we'll be back next month with a new one. Uh, but in the meantime, remember, eat lamb, wear wool, and copper-free isn't always the way to feed, but not too much either. Thanks and have a good day.